2: back to Amazing Avenue Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and I'm joined on the show today by Evan October of the Isotopes Punk Rock Baseball Club. The Isotopes, as they are commonly known, are a Vancouver-based band that writes songs about baseball, all aspects of baseball, about players, about the culture of baseball, etc. They have a song that is very, very Mets-related that we're going to save for later in the show, but we're going to play a song first uh, that came from their Record called 1994 World Series Champions, which came out in 2017, and this song is called Rule 21.
0: 21,
2: was kind enough to join me on Skype a couple of weeks ago to talk about their new single, about baseball, about fandom, and about music. So, enjoy. So, Evan, when I was growing up, I felt like I was the only person I know who was really into baseball, but also played in punk bands and was really into music and, uh, you know, didn't necessarily feel comfortable with some of those, like, macho aspects of of baseball fandom and it took me until i guess i was in my 20s to really square that circle and realize it's okay that i can be both of these things and so as a as a punk musician who is a baseball fan did you have a similar sort of uh experience of trying to figure out how all of this fit together oh
3: uh yeah Definitely, to put it in, in as few words as possible, yes. Um, I identify with that uh, a lot. Just like, as you said, I grew up kind of, first First of all, baseball was my first love, I think. And I, I played as a young kid as, as far back as I can remember. Like, you know, when I was three years old, I played t-ball and, and never stopped sort of thing. So I was into baseball long before I got into um, punk bands playing in punk bands but i kind of got into music right along like i played i played guitar at a really young age as well and and saxophone as well when i was a kid so i was into music and baseball all throughout and i think growing up you know um in in the 90s this baseball that era of baseball i never really you know you didn't have all the media around it that you do today so it never really occurred to me until later on in my playing life that um that there was even like a macho ness about being a baseball fan i was really always into it from the perspective of appreciating the grace and beauty of it and i think that it um that's those are the the players when i watched on tv those are the players that i really gravitated toward anyway the guys that could really show you how how to how to do something in, that looked good as, as well as, as well as it was effective. So I kind of always just came at it from that perspective. And, um, as a player, of course you grow up and, you know, play high school ball and stuff. And you realize that there's this sort, sort of like unsavory, um, aspect to it. If, if you're not sort of of that mind, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to, to recognize a lot of stuff about baseball. That's, that's not so, you know, um, cultural, I guess would be the word, but, Yeah, it uh, it was definitely at the time when at the time when I started the band, it was sort of this instance of saying, okay, I've done a couple of bands and um, almost conversely from what you're saying is I was not into what punk rock was all about, you know, like I just didn't really care about hearing the same old songs, about the same old things. I certainly wasn't going to keep on writing songs, you know, in that way kind of tired from that in, in high school bands. And I decided that if I'm going to start a band that, that um, you know, from the ground up again and, and start over and create a new thing that's excited me creatively, what do I want to write about? And it was just natural for me. It was like, I love baseball and I thought it was just funny that those two things shouldn't exist. And like you were saying, I thought I was the only person out there who this band would ever appeal to. And I think taking that approach from the get go allowed me as much creative freedom as I needed to, uh, to do it, in all the quirky weirdness that we've always done it with is just to say like, probably no one's going to like this anyway, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I'm going to be, I'm going to be as dorky about it as I can be. And um, it's funny that in doing that, it's, it's created um, so much awareness um, for me of, of this amazing subculture of people who are like-minded, which just never would have ever found me um, otherwise. So it was really cool to, to, I think, in, in both baseball and punk to see um, that maybe on their own they didn't have as much appeal to me as as putting them together. And it was a major risk to do that, but obviously it's worked out.
2: Yeah, that that's super cool. You know, I, I think that there's, I mean, I, I've seen the documentary short that you're a part of, Baseball Punks, and so that was one of the first things I had seen where it was somebody trying to sort of answer the question that was floating around in my head when it comes to, to bands like yours or just, you know, the way I approach some of this stuff, you know. And uh, I, I've, I've been trying to put together why I think baseball and, and music in general, not even just punk music, but why baseball and music fit so well together. And, and you know, I'm wondering if you have any sort of um, insight on that. So why you think that I mean, there are definitely more songs about baseball and baseball players than other sports. You almost never hear a song about football. or a song song about hockey as much as you would about baseball. Why do you think baseball is such a fertile ground for for music?
3: I think baseball is a fertile ground for music uh, for the exact same reason that relationships are a fertile ground for music, and it's romance. I think there's a romance about baseball that no other sport has, and I think that it's a romance that maybe people are more willing to um have a relationship with than they are with with other people or love or anything like that it's just it's this way to feel okay it's this it's this thing to feel okay about being sentimental about and about loving you know and it's it's not like it's not like a touchy subject it's where some people are in in punk bands or or, or let's say yeah let's musicians in general um it's not tough sometimes to to, to write love songs. Um and and so here's a way to express that same sentiment, that same feeling about something, um, that is, you know, tough in, in a way. So it's that really it's a balance between having a sport which has all these inherent machoisms, but then it's just such a romantic sport and it's so beautiful and it's there's so many intricacies in baseball that uh just so much subject matter can be taken from it and so much emotion is evoked just by baseball in people, it seems. So I, I just think that it's a natural thing for people to feel strongly about in a number of different ways and that translates into art. And it's not just music, right? It's it's art in in throughout our throughout culture, pop art is uh there's a lot of baseball in it. Yeah. You
2: know? yeah I actually I, one of the things I, I thought about when I was prepping for this chat was how I think that baseball and maybe this is not everyone's experience it certainly isn't everyone's experience, but it was my experience. Baseball was something my dad and I shared together. When I was a kid, he would watch baseball and I would watch it with him and you know we I had you know played catch with him in the yard and he coached my little league team and all that. and as I got older and our other tastes diverged. Baseball was something that kept us sort of on a on a similar conversational level. You know, we could talk about baseball, even we argued about politics or about you know music or any or my hair length or whatever it was. You know, like baseball was still there, and I wonder if that's just like there's this built-in fatherhood part of baseball that makes it fertile songwriting ground too, because everyone's relationship with their parents is is imperfect and is unique, and I wonder if some of that is filtered into the music as well.
3: I definitely think that
2: that that that's
3: true. I, I think that's probably true for a number of reasons. Um baseball is a fairly accessible game to a lot of people and it's probably the most popular youth sport in, you know, say America. And um it's it's there and and I think it's something that that does bring families together because um it's it's not an elite, it's not like an elite sport. It's sort of it's it's there for for anyone who needs it as, as a young kid. And that's, what's so cool about it. So there's just so many opportunities to spend that time with your family. I think, you know, everyone's family situation is different coming up, you know, as a kid, but it's an opportunity to have the, have this, um, have this sort of standard way to, to bring families together. Uh, if that's, if that's part of your life. And um, so it's like naturally just creates create strength in relationships, and you, and you need um, you need someone to play catch with, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like it's cool um, it's cool to have that, and, and obviously, you know, I, I have the same thing with, with my family as a baseball family. So I'm just trying to draw on that. And it was just always something that we did, like after dinner, me and my brothers, or me and my brother, and my dad would go out and play catch, and you know, every night when we were kids, it's all we did. If it was not raining, we'd be we'd be out playing baseball in the street, and my dad would just hit us fly balls in the parking lot until it was dark and uh you know he was our coach as, as a young kid and um always just say if you don't want to get hit by the ball you gotta catch it and you gotta catch it with your thumb down and that was pretty much like the only thing that he taught us besides like turn on the tv watch Robbie alomar play like that <laughs> you know and uh and so but it was definitely something that brought me and my dad together and i can see that it would for a lot of people and, and you're saying the same thing and it's just it's it's just an easy way to to find shared
2: ground. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you're Canadian. Who did you grow up rooting for?
3: Yeah, I'm Canadian. I grew up rooting for. Um, I don't live in in Toronto now. I've spent my life living in Vancouver, but I was born in Toronto, so I have, uh, I have, I had an, a, an allegiance to that Jays team. Obviously, back to back World Series was, was right when I was getting into baseball, and that was sort of the games we could get on TV. Um, at that time, but as I kind of became a teenager, we had a lot of, uh, Mariners games because we're right by Seattle here. And, and we had a lot of, uh, this is going to tie in with, with the theme of, of the show here. We had a lot of Braves games, which were televised on TBS yeah. and because of that, uh-huh. I became really into the Mets because you get, you get to see so many Mets games watching TBS so it was like Seinfeld and, and Braves games that I that I grew up watching, basically, and, and that exposed me a lot a lot to Mets and Mets culture.
2: What was it about the Mets that appealed to you then? Well, uh, two things. Um, the uniforms
3: mm-hmm. were, have always been among my favorite, and, and Ray Ordonez. Uh, turning on the TV, being like, who is this guy wearing number zero? Um, pulling off these plays and I had no idea right because it was like 96 it was his rookie season and I just happened to be tuning into to watching baseball after school which is what I did four oh five starts every day and uh boom there's Ray Ardonia's and this guy is like my dream player he cannot hit and and he's only up there for his glove and I was like this guy's awesome so I became instant instant Mets fan at that time which was like 96 97 getting right into that sweet spot um that sweet era for the Mets
2: that's uh that's really fun because first of all, yes, I'm uh I'm 37 years old and so I grew up watching those mid-90s terrible Mets teams and then when Ordonez came about it was it was a really nice sort of bright spot of this Oh, look at look at this amazingly slick fielding shortstop and then over time the team just got a little bit better a little bit better leading to that 1999 infield claims, you know, they said the best infield ever with uh, Robin yeah. Ventura and Eduardo um, Alfonso and John Olerud. Uh, and Olerud obviously has the Toronto connection from his years on the, on the Blue Jays. I just, I loved that infield so much. And, uh, you know, I, I I think back to just all the amazing defensive plays I got to watch as a Mets fan and because of Ordonez and Olerud, all those guys. And it really, I think that's why I still like watching uh, defense now that and I don't know if you remember on SportsCenter, they used to do Web Gems or Baseball Tonight rather uh, Web Gems. Yeah. It was like it was the, the defensive highlights. And my brother and I sit and just watch Web Gems together every night. It was a uh, those are the two reasons I think I still care about defense when I watch baseball games. And uh, yeah, it's so cool to to realize that somebody was having a sort of similar experience, you know, across the across the continent. So what does your baseball fandom look like now? Do you do you watch a ton of games, you know, via MLB.tv? You know, are you following one team? Are you more of an omnivore now? What, what do you sort of do baseball-wise? Well, I, I, I'm a fan of baseball, and I don't really have an allegiance to
3: any team, um, you know, at all anymore. I just like to watch teams and uh, basically go with, on a season season basis, who I'm liking the look of. And I, I subscribe to MLB.tv, and I try to catch as many games as possible. Like I have the TV going, you know, uh, I work from home a lot as graphic designer or I'm working at home as a musician. And so I, it's just part of my atmosphere around around the house to just have a game going and just, you you know, I go with matchups and kind of just love watching, you know, following the storylines throughout the league. And, um, that's, that's been, that's been the extent of it. I don't go crazy into like knowing, um, you know all the new all the new players, new rosters, and and people, stats, and everything. I, I think I'm like more of a casual, you know, fan when it comes to that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I certainly am exposed. I I expose myself to baseball any possible time that I can, pretty much MLB wise. And um, yeah, that's has, not going away.
2: <laughs> has there been a, a player or two the last few years anywhere across the league that's really stood out to you as as a special player in the way that ordonia stood out to you all those years ago
3: um man um putting me on the spot here sorry <laughs> it's what i did. <laughs> it's
2: okay about five
3: years ago i was i would have told you a guy like brandon phillips was doing it for me in that way um but the fact is that every single player defensively now is is so good and uh you know makes ray Ordonia just look at, look like an average player like you look at the way uh arenado plays third base and it's like if that was happening in the mid 90s you'd be talking about it now too right like that and that's just kind of considered what you have to do now and um yeah so i think you know he's amazing third base um i don't know who i like over at second base these days but uh i feel like they're putting just like they're putting plugs at second base a lot yeah um (laughs) But, it, it, uh, no, it seems uh, like
2: there, there's also been the rise. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. There's been the rise of the uh, the utility player coming back into vogue too, and a lot of times that that player will play second base a fair amount, even if they're not a natural second baseman.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, that's exactly it. that. That reminds me of Bias, who is far and away my favorite defensive player right now. It's Javi Bias, and I know people people love to say that 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 MLB gives him too much much love on on the inter, on the internet and everything like that, but I think it's well deserved. And, and that guy came up as a utility for for the Cubs, right? And he would play wherever they needed him to in the infield, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. and then um, he's developed himself to be their shortstop. And I think for good reason, he just plays with that flair that that um, you know a lot of people don't play with. So I, th- I think a guy like that is probably one of my favorite people to watch right now.
2: Have you seen? It came out yesterday the suggested protocols for when baseball comes back in terms of the players, what they can and cannot do. Yeah. Uh, And I I have seen that. I was thinking of guys who play the game with passion, no high fives. No, you know, and I understand it's all for safety and I, I am, my concern is for the safety of the players above all else, but to not have someone like, you know, get crowded at home plate when there's after a walk off or to high five, the third base coach coming around, after a home run. like that's, It's going to be hard to watch. I love players that play the game with flair and with, with a little bit of uh, personality. And to see that stripped away, it's, it's going to be hard if baseball does come back. And that's, I guess, where I want to ask you now. Do you think we're going to see baseball this season? Well,
3: I mean, yeah, we're not going to see baseball in any way that we really would like to see baseball. Yeah. Um, I think that what that what those guidelines sort of say is um, this is a proposal for the players union. Right. So I think that even if they do end up accepting it, it's probably going to be with a lot of reluctance that they do accept it. Um, I don't know, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen any response to it yet. I'm kind of curious to see some response from some of the players if it's out there yet, but I think it really changes the game. I think it's um, playing without that sort of emotion on top of playing uh, with no with no fans in the stadium, and then also playing under the conditions that they're playing, and which are, I think, from what I read, sort of no no real comforts, like no clubhouse stuff. Really, there's no showers, no um, no in depth medical staff. Um, sort of more more players and stuff per roster. I, I think the conditions altogether are going to make for sort of a, a bummer, you know, and, and I, I'd be surprised to, see, these are, these are performers, right? This is the entertainment business. And these guys are the best in the business at rising to the occasion. And now it seems like it's almost every occasion that you would be rising to is, has been taken away. And I mean, I hear people complaining a little bit about the, sort of the, the mundane nature of the KBO over there. I haven't watched anything, but I suspect the MLB is going to look, you know, like like pretty drab too, with with everything taken away from it. So, um, you probably get this like scenario where everyone's going to be playing at sixty-five, seventy-five percent instead of you know their normal, you know, ninety or whatever. Yeah.
2: But, it, it's tough, man. I, I actually had the privilege. I was down at spring training for four days at the end of February, so I got to see a couple of games in person. And I'm not sure if that made it better or worse. Like, I in one way. A lot of my friends are jealous. I got to see live baseball this year. On the other hand, I got a taste of it and then it was taken away from me. You know, so it's (laughs) it's hard to know uh, which was harder. But I got to tell you, just being, you know, this is my first year covering the team uh, with spring training access. So, you know, going into the clubhouse and just sort of observing how the complex works and all of that, it's going to be a total culture change for them to not have those, those, uh, the systems in place, whether it's the trainers and the or the clubhouse or the catering or all those things, it's all gonna be so different. So i i am I am of two minds. On one hand, I am dying to watch some baseball. Like you know, I got <laughs> I am homeschooling two kids because they can't go to their school, and at the end of it, like at seven o'clock every night. I get the shakes. I am like, I need my baseball. It's not here. I need it. You know, so I want it. On that hand, on the other hand, I don't want to put anybody in a in an unsafe position. And like you said, I don't know if I want to watch baseball at sixty percent. I just don't know. It's it's, it's tough. Um, but uh, before we we wrap up, I do want to talk to you about about music a little bit. Uh, you know, what is some of the music that you're listening to right now? What are some of your current favorites?
3: Oh, music wise, I'm totally out of it, man. Like, just I I don't I don't like do a lot of music listening to. I try to go back and listen to all like my you know my favorites, you know, lifetime favorites and stuff like that. I'm I just got into Spotify, so it's kind of uh, kind of been a really sort of uh automatic way to listen to music um but the algorithm that that I'm getting is just a bunch of stuff I don't want to listen to so I end up just like sitting there listening to the same old screeching weasel records over and over like the Ramon stuff 80s Ramon stuff which is like kind of my go-to um 80s Ramon stuff that is for for uh when I'm feeling you know wanting to work or or be creative but
2: When you say '80s Ramones, you're talking more like Subterranean Jungle or Animal Boy or what?
3: Yeah, basically. Like I made a a greatest hits list playlist of like all the deep cuts, like all the slow, like you know, somebody put something in my drink, like Mm -hmm. all those, all those, like you know, the ones that you that you don't think of. But um, I like those tunes too. I don't know that those any of those albums really needed to exist, but um, (laughs) yeah. As far as like what really gets me excited right now, music-wise, is is stuff with high value sort of pop production. That's not even anywhere close to the realm of punk. Um, I'm really into just like new pop music, new hip hop, that kind of stuff. And I listen mostly for, uh, you know, the, the production, which I, which I appreciate. And I know that I'm not supposed to, you know, being in a <laughs> punk band, but I love, I love that stuff. And I try to take, like take cues from it and, think of ways that we can implement some of that stuff into, into the isotopes music.
2: Um,
3: I mean, I think the new single be,
2: does that. I think the new single does that does. really effectively. It thanks. Thanks
3: for noticing, man. Cause it was one of those things where it had been a couple of years um, without doing anything. Our last record is 2017. And I kind of said to the guys, I was like, all right, well let's, let's try to, let's try to do something here, but let's not try to do something that we've done before. And that wouldn't be interesting for anybody, including ourselves. So let's try to give the people out there that are listening, who are going to be listening to this, let's throw them a curveball, you know, to use a metaphor. And um, I think we did that. It's cool, and it, it makes it exciting to work on music, right? If you're trying to sort of find creative ways to to put put various things together that maybe aren't necessarily you know designed to
2: be together. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the new single, I was when I first. Pressed play on it when when I got the download. I I, I bought the the T shirt version of the single. Which uh, can you actually can you explain that to our listeners? Sort of what the T shirt's all about?
3: Yeah, for sure. I I mean we we um so we just put out a new single. It's called the Invisible Hand of the MLB Is Meddling. Uh, it's sort of a take uh you know like a tongue in cheek take on um the changes that that are that we're perceiving happening in in MLB over the last couple of years that may or may not be, you know, in the interest of purists. Um, you know, or to their liking, but thought that this was, um, a good opportunity for the band, um, who, you know, our band only plays songs about baseball for those who don't know. And, um, you have a song that was sort of a, uh, a dig at that. It's a take, it's a hot take and, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt also. But I thought we're going to put this out digitally. We're not going to do a, a release where we're going to kind of take this approach of going digital only, which was actually a really good move in hindsight now that we couldn't have ever been on the road trying to sell it anyway. So we did this digital release, but I thought let's, um, you know, make make a cool package make a cool like t-shirt package and everything. And we printed the liner notes and everything on the t-shirt so that people could really like get that experience of buying a record without actually having to buy a record and kind of a cool project. And it, and it worked really well actually, because the, the the fact of it being in a band is, is um, you have to, kind of come to terms with the reality that people don't want to pay for your music and they're probably not going to if there's a way not to so if you put out a digital single people are just going to find it online and you know i'm I'm as guilty as anyone of doing that right music and media are, are generally regarded as free to the consumer who who are going to be the end user of it so giving people something extra a souvenir to take home it's not a new concept but but doing it how to how to work it with a digital track is sort of a new concept and again, everything that this band has always been for me is a way to try something new because it's just really boring to, to, to plug into old, old systems or old methods or, you know, old, old genres. So this band is all about exploration, even though we're kind of like pigeonholed in, in a sort of a pop punk baseball thing, it's, it's exploratory. And this is just another way to do that. So 2020 got a new song out and it's, it's uh it's a new a way we have not done it in the past
2: it's a really cool idea, and the shirt is is really uh it's an interesting color it's an interesting look it's it's a very it's a very cool idea i th- i think it's and like you said, you could never have seen this coming unfortunately the not being able to get out there and play shows so it was a it was a prescient move on your part um so Evan, if people want to check out your band if they want to hear more of your music what's the what's the best way to do that
3: well, I always direct people to our Instagram because through that, you can pretty much go wherever you need to go. It's at theisotopes, pretty simple on Instagram. Um, otherwise, you know, we are on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're kind of everywhere that, that music is found these days. And uh, YouTube music videos up there. Um doing our best to keep our stuff out there as much as possible for people to find. But yeah, if you have any questions, you can't find anything, head over to Instagram at theisotopes and uh, everything's there.
2: I, I, I was perusing your merch earlier and I'm really upset. I didn't know that there was that DD Ramon. Hey, pizza pin. I'm a uh, oh. That was sold out. That, 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 that hurts, man.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that one went really fast. People really love that. You know, I was I was dumb. I think I only ordered a hundred. I didn't think it was going to sell at all, but boom, sold them right away. So I'll dig around, but I don't think I even have one of my own. Actually, <laughs> no.
2: A, I wouldn't want special treatment. That's not fair. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really encourage folks to go out and listen to uh to the Isotopes music and hopefully there is a scenario where sometime in the not too distant future you are back on tour and if you ever make your way to New York, I'll uh I'll definitely buy you a hot dog at a game.
3: Oh, thanks man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love We played New York a couple times. I, I'd love to get back there. It's it's a great city to play. So, yeah, hopefully watch some games, play some shows. Everyone's thinking the same thing, though, no, and it would be nice to get there. I think we just have to be patient and wait and do what we can to help each other in the meantime.
2: Absolutely.
0: It might just be the reefer talking. It might just be Canadian indoctrination. Sweep across the nation.
2: That was the invisible hand of the MLB is meddling. The newest single by the Isotopes. Go to isotopes.bandcamp.com to pick up that and more tracks by this band. Uh, if you are like me and like baseball and like punk rock, how can you go wrong? Um, please check them out on Facebook, social, and they, they're all over social media. So just if you search for Isotopes or Isotopes Isotopes Punk Rock Baseball Club, you should be able to find them. So please, please do so. You can find this show and all other Amazing Avenue podcasts at AmazingAvenue.com. You can find us on all social media, not all, all the ones you probably care about, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show and all of our Amazing Avenue shows on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm on Twitter at Brian Denap. Thank you for listening. And until next time, let's go Mets.